0: Forget the Grand National, forget the Masters, forget the Champions League or the Premier League tied to race between Liverpool and Manchester City because the Australian Grand Prix is back and with me to talk about it all is Mr. Freddie Coates and Mr. Adam Dickinson. This is the Winging It F1 podcast. How are you guys doing this week?
1: Oh, oh, we're talking about the F1? I thought we were talking about like the Formula <laughs> E because you forgot about it.
2: I did, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm good, thank you, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice, Adam. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I thought we were talking about the F1 because I'm not as big a Formula E fan as Freddie, but I'm still okay. I don't have, you know, that, that's not that's not linked to my well-being. It's just, you know, separate fact. I'm good.
0: Great. Right. Well, we're also... The formula well, formula on is not in a
1: good place, so... <laughs> um.
0: yeah. uh, before we get onto the return of Melbourne to the calendar. Uh, we got first got to talk about the big news from last week, or since we last did a podcast, which is the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, it's going to join the schedule next year in November. It will be at night on a Saturday as well, the first Saturday race since 1985. Uh, thoughts on this, guys? It was kind of split from what I saw on social media. Uh, is this... Are you guys happy or...
2: Unhappy about this news? I I I think it's a positive. Oh, there we go. No no splits here. I think F1, if F1 wants to establish itself more in the US, I think it's doing a good job of it so far, but um, I think it's not always easy to be an F1 fan in the US when you're waking up at like four in the morning to eight in the morning for a lot of the European races. And I think if you're wanting to kind of build that out, then you need to be giving more back to fans and giving them more of a reason to watch. And this is exactly what it does. I think now you've got between Miami here, Montreal and Austin, then you've got a decent kind of geographic spread Mm. um, covers a fair amount of um, of the U S and probably puts puts a decent amount of major cities within a day's drive of, of a Grand Prix. And yeah, I think it's, I think it's needed. You know, I don't know whether the track's going to be any good or not yet. None of us do. But um, I, I think it seems to be more thought, thought through than the last time they went to Vegas. And <laughs> I, I think it's going to be good. I'm I'm looking forward to it uh, from a distance. I don't think I'll be coming back to watch it. That would be very nice if I was. But I don't think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you what you kind of thought from being in America. But uh, you covered that really there, Adam. But kind of like, yeah, exactly what you said. You've got Miami on one sort of on one side, and you've got about a thousand odd miles to Austin, and then probably another a thousand odd miles out to Vegas. So it's kind of perfect split through that um, sort of uh, eastern, central, western kind of zone for it, which works really well. F1 in the states has really kind of is, is sort of trying to emulate the uh, the Premier League in the states, which used to be kind of from what I've kind of been reading a lot this week there's been a lot published about this and a lot of comments on this from people who have followed the rise of these of sports in the states and they've gone from very fringe to now it's very common for people in the states to have a, a English football team and go to um, their local pub really on on the weekend to watch a game and it's getting getting there with f1 was the fringest of fringe sports 15 20 years ago where people would just say to you did you mean nascar whereas now even in such comp- such a competitive primetime sports market maybe the primetime lack of really helps f1 but um when you got so many nascar races you've got a growing still growing IndyCar calendar calendar like 16 17 races and with its own flagship indy 500 event anyway on top of that, with all the other sports you get in the States being so so well-loved, it's a hard market to crack. And F1's been doing a very good job at that. And like you say, Adam, giving a bit back, it seems to be perfect. We forget how good we have it in Europe. This is three different time zones for three races. How many time zones in Europe are in the same... How many races in the same time zone in Europe? Probably five or a six lot. anyway. Yeah, at least. <laughs> at le-
2: at yeah, least five. a lot.
1: I think I'm that... Bit-
2: oh, no, you go.
0: I'm not convinced by Las Vegas yet. I'm not sure if, you, if F1 needs a further race in America. For me, All I would All the reasons prioritise. we just
1: said are why we think it does work.
0: Yeah, but I would prioritise Africa over Las Vegas. And if an African Grand Prix is now being put on the back foot because of this, I'm not sure if that's right. And the same with if we lose, I don't know, a circuit like Spa or something that's out of contract this year. If we lose... A great track because of Las Vegas. I'm not on board of that.
2: Personally, I I think I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Personally, I think yeah, well, you can at
0: the moment f ones limited to, to 24 races, and even with Russia going, with Las Vegas joining the schedule and China coming back next year, one race on that's this fun. year's calendar is 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 definitely Qatar as well. At least one race is going to be wiped off. So,
2: that's. Uh, you know, in that case, I'm getting more annoyed at the races that are on here that I don't think should be on here. That you know, like say, you know, some of the Middle Eastern races, say, or you know, I don't, I don't think it's. Um, I think this has this bring, will bring more to F1 as a sport than you know. Those are the races, and you know, yeah, I think we should be racing in Africa as well. But I think you can do, you can do both and still have a great calendar. I don't think you need. Um, but, you know, I th- I think Vegas will bring a lot and um you know it, it's I think it's about a six hour drive from LA. It's you know, as opposed to a three hour flight that costs a lot more to get to Austin. Like I think it really it opens up F1 a lot more in the US and that you know, that can bring bring the advantage and bring money in that maybe you don't need to race in Qatar and Abu Dhabi and Saudi
1: Arabia. So, when there's an audience so, growing, you see floods and floods. And Zanvoort, I think, is a prime example for that, where there's an audience that suddenly boomed, then not necessarily, not necessarily suddenly, it's dormant, but that grows and grow, is growing. That has brought on a race in the Dutch Grand Prix, and it was a wild success. And the Dutch fans then, in that kind of regard, then also kind of saved the Belgian Grand Prix because it's, it's a close race. It's still quite a track, but it's a close race. And you've got it from that kind of side, where with um Vegas, it's a growing market, and people will flood to it, and it will grow even more from that perspective. So I think there's a lot to be said for um, putting Vegas in for that kind of reason. I
0: think it think- will western biosols because if we had free races in let's say China or backlash just because it's China. I think because it's America, people are almost on board of it more because of this almost Western bias that we've got. And I can't help but feel that F1 should be focusing more on, you know, new locations or keeping these iconic tracks like spa and, and stuff like that, rather than having another street circuit. You know, we, we've already got yeah. Jed we were meant to have Vietnam. But why does it have to be another street circuit? Why can't we have know permanent tracks just because because you know you usa has got loads mm-hmm. of great tracks i oh, totally. would
1: I mean they would be ruined though now by one left one i think i yeah. think laguna seca but watkins glen would be ruined by it and i think it's, it's the class it's the original formulary argument which is bring the racing to the people and mm. i think it goes back to adam's first point of giving it to america and yeah it, it is a western bias but and that is that is true and it's because the western bias is there because it's a, a economic driven decision yeah but i think that's the answer for that from a market perspective america is unta- is still for f1 untapped gold and mm. it's <clears throat> it's it's got potential to be diamonds beyond that so I think, I think that is the same for Africa. I'm completely agree with you for Africa and for China. I think step at a time with that, because if, if the words are to be believed, there is a lot and lots of attempts for Africa at the moment, and there is also for China. So it might just be that this is the first one announced because it's the easiest one to organise. I think Possibly. we've got to watch a few spaces on this based on a few rumours. I think as well, like, if you're going to take one out
2: of the US, take out Miami. I think the Vegas Grand Prix will bring in a lot more as a spectacle for F1, as a kind of the catchment area that it covers than Miami will. And, you know, I don't know if there's going to be that much difference between the tracks. But I think... That would be a huge
0: waste, though, wouldn't it? Like, it's just come on the calendar and stuff to get
2: rid of it. Well, Vegas has just come come on the calendar as well. Well, I mean,
1: that's not the point. That's not the point. But but it's kind of like... Yeah, I get what you're saying, Adam, about it's kind of like it's a much more inspiring, much more evocative location. You look at Vegas and you thought, you know, just the movies of Vegas for 50 years is that kind of city that's had such such and character for so long in a way that people look at Miami and you kind of think, oh, Miami. Yeah, that was cool. And you also look at it for documentaries about prisons and stuff like that. You don't get that with Vegas so yeah
2: just like Oklahoma wild generalizations um, from
1: me here
2: but I th- yeah I think I think the kind of to me the broader point seems to be where if one wants to be as a sport which if you know I, I think compared as a kind of spectacle and as as a corporate entity from when I started watching in 2007 to where it is now it has come on so far but I think it's events like this that will push that and it's you know it's 10 years ago that there was the first race at Cota and they, I don't think they even broke a hundred thousand ticket sales. And now I think they're on about 400,000 for Cota. They're really just, you know, it's grown and grown. And it's now, you know, just to have gone from where we were after F1 left Indy and it was kind of, there wasn't a permanent American base and it had been jumping around for so long. I think now to kind of be at the position where you can grow, um, you know, and have a set American Grand Prix is great. But I think the next the next step for that is really to go forward. And you can see, I mean, the, I think the Premier League analogy is great, Freddie. The one I was thinking of was um, the NFL in the UK in that that's kind of, you know, wildly successful in its home market, but to keep growing, then it's needing to expand. And that's what they're doing and they've done it very successfully. And I think there's, you know, similarities as well in the in the US now. F, being an F1 fan, it has, I think it has a kind of niche, Mindset. I don't think it's kind of, but it is growing into a mass market, and I think that can kind of continue to go forward with with racing in Vegas. And yeah, as I say, I think if they if they're gonna only have two races in the US, I think Vegas brings a lot more than Miami. And you know, coast of fantastic track and good to have a track based um, or you know, racing circuit based um, Grand Prix. But yeah, I think if F one wants to carry on growing and kind of rival the other major sports really and be, you know keep going i don't know where it is on kind of the list of fans of sport worldwide but if it wants to keep going up these are the kind of events it needs to have
1: i i think um yeah there's just a couple of things on it's there's a few very like quirks about this um about the vegas race and that that it doesn't have a promoter uh, if, if you're unsure about sort of how f1 grand prix sort of work um, there's usually a promoter organisation who basically they get the money together, they pay F1 for the right to then host the race, then they sell the tickets and so on, they man the circuit man, all of that and that's why you know Grand Prix happened in so many different places and that's why there are all these contracts and deals and stuff with Grand Prix and it was a big thing in the Bernie days to get promoters on you know, on his, on his will, if that makes sense and Vegas doesn't have a promoter it's been it's an F1 led event and it's F1 are coordinated basically just with Vegas and they have put on the event and it's going to be put on by F1 in conjunction really with then with just Las Vegas authorities so that's um in a way it's a new model for um or at least a return to some very 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 80s models for a few Grand Prix back then in how a grand prix is staged and if there's markets where formula one is kind of wanting to go there's not really a barrier now that can stop them with if they're going to go with this model in a way that if from our perspective if everyone say yeah we want to go to africa then we can now say to f1 um oh cool um how are you going to do that if they then say something about promoters then we could say well are you going to do it in this kind of way and it's it's not a, no, I, I don't I don't really want to be going to us holding F1 to account because you know it's not they're not the government but um, that's an entirely different form of journalism but um, it's kind of like you know it could be a positive for the way f1 goes about setting up races in the future in my opinion
0: well there's four uh events that are out of contract this year, and if one of them are to go, uh, those four are Spa, Paul Ricard, Red Bull Ring, and Mexico City. Do you think Las Vegas deserves to like be ahead of, of one of those four? Paul
1: Ricard. Yeah?
0: I, yeah. I it's think
1: there's, the a, whole, big, I think F- there's yeah, a bigger it's, audience. It's, it's, I think if we're going on every th- reason we've said for Vegas, I think there's a Definitely an audience in France, and that's a growing audience, in my opinion, in comparison to Austria. And it's the
0: home of where Grand Prix racing started, and there's loads of drivers from there. We've got two Grand Prix winners from
1: France on the grid now, so I'm kind of looking at that and thinking, if -hmm. we're just going off that, then yeah, race in France and Austria. As much as you know, people love Austria, and it does have its own F1 heritage. It's that's a less a lesser market for me.
2: But to cut to cut in on that, I mean. You know, you're saying about there's loads of Grand Prix drivers from F1. There's two race winners on the grid. If F1 wants to expand, then having an American driver will, you know, help push that. And I think part of the reason reason that America doesn't, there's not been an American driver so far is because F1 hasn't had a um, kind of, you know, continuous um, position or kind of, presence in america and if you look at the population centers I think la is the biggest or the second biggest um city in america you've got san francisco there as well las vegas you know i think to kind of be to be touching those population centers that's i think that's really significant and that's you know i, I think with france you've got two races in italy that's not that far away you've got a race in barcelona currently that, you know, again, isn't far away in the south of France. You've got races in the north that aren't far away to go to. So I think kind of looking at that, I think having an American or having a presence out west is more significant, and I don't think you're losing loads. I know last season it was great at Paul Ricard, and we'll see how it goes this season, but I don't think you're losing loads in racing action.
0: Yeah, but I, it's like the hope of the FIA and the first Grand Prix was there. There's a lot of history in France. I, I For me, if last, if one of those four races go... Because of Las Vegas, I don't think I can get on board of it. I don't
1: think. Yeah, I think, I think, they're all F1... ven- I think they are all v- venues that have <clears throat> their own positivity, and I think, really, to be honest, you can you can definitely, for probably all but one or two tracks, you can say that there's um, positives to be had there uh, from Formula One being at that track, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's a it's a really complicated line for Formula One to walk, and we can sit here and say. Lots of different arguments about why are we'll going different places, and we'll, you know we'll be going around in circles, in my opinion, if we start saying, "Well, Spa's got this, but Spa's got that." Like they will
2: be at the Vegas Grand Prix in
1: 2023, and as every Grand Prix <laughs> in 2023, and where where those know, There's are, a point to point. We don't know, and that's to be honest. We've had seasons where Spa wasn't on the calendar, for seasons where Austria wasn't on the calendar. We've had many a season where Mexico City wasn't on the calendar, but they all are fantastic, and it would be a shame to see any of them go. And I don't really know where I stand on it until we have sort of a a provisional 2023 calendar, which will be probably about August, it tends to be. So, I reckon we hold fire until then, in my opinion, on this. That's
0: that's what I'm waiting for, because if if one of those, or, or, or two of those races go, then... Yeah, the last word, but if not, and we do end up having 25 26 races instead, then well, that's a whole different talking point. So,
2: well, so, yeah. yeah, I think quite with that. I mean, uh, there's also kind of question marks about spa safety and in, in the wet, and that's oh, not well, kind of to be addressed now. But with. they, has that it? Hasn't oh. oh, yes, no, 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 we, we spoke about this last year, yeah. Um, ignore that then, but I think on, on what you're saying about. Kind of Paul Ricard and having a race in France. I don't. I don't think we're lacking in kind of historic venues for F1 in Europe and across the world. I think you know you've already, especially in that batch of the calendar. I don't think you're missing out on massive slice of history there. Given Imola, Monza, Silverstone, Tokyo, not Tokyo, Suzuka, no,
1: into Lagos. It is. It is something that is still Monaco. such loved in that kind of regard. Like yeah, I mean yeah, you can. Not have some history and have other histories, but it's it poor it mean France is loved. Um, is is the kind of thing with that, and it's like you don't. If you go to the Italian Grand Prix, you don't sit there and go, "Ah, oh, France, what a history what a great place with the history of motorsport." It's that kind of thing because you're in Italy. No, it's in so, Italy. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I mean. It's like you you can say to people, "Oh, here's this slice of F one history that we don't have anymore, but it's all right because you can go and watch the." because you've got someone in france another very historic tracks more historic tracks if you're a french person you're gonna be like well no hang on a second and i think if they did the same in the uk this you got rid of the british grand prix i would be really annoyed by that because i like the british paul ricard's
2: not been hosting for 70 years
1: yeah they had a massive chunk of a gap in france and then it came back yeah i mean we're going it came back and everyone in france was really happy so there's you look at it from that perspective so there's so much to it, and we're going around in we're going to be going around in circles, like I said. That's why I just put a pin in it because it's just a boring argument, in my opinion. But um, yeah.
0: Any final words, Adam, on this?
1: I uh, just said let's said stop it. All. it. <laughs> I said it
0: all. I'm stirring the pot. Stirring the pot. <laughs> but
2: yeah, we'll see. But, um, uh, yeah, actually, final like, words the are. Need I'd, I'd rather see them take out Jeddah or Abu Dhabi or Qatar or all of them, to be honest. That's a, that's a, that's my biggest point. But all anyway. right, okay.
0: uh, let's talk about the build-up to the Australian Australian Grand Prix. Then, uh, first thing is Sebastian Vettel is back after his uh, coronavirus period. Uh, so he's back in the car for the first time since it's testing. How do you think he's going to go, and what should his targets be for this year? Do we think, Freddie?
1: I think first of all, uh, great to see he's returned negative testing that he's. Um, yeah. well again um, it was obviously not great for him to have COVID no one likes that and um, hopefully he's had a good time to rest because you know yeah it's a horrible virus um, but yeah for, for um, Hope's returning to the car I think just we can't really expect too much because I think with every driver who's had COVID when they've come back in they've struggled a bit um, Hamilton, yeah. Ricardo, Stroll um, Perez back in 2020 and mm. he hasn't had a long break at all so I think it's going to be on top of that with a car that's presumably heavily revised since he drove it um, that's going to be quite a, quite the ask um, but hopefully you know he acquits himself well it's a track he's won at quite a few times so he knows what yeah. he's doing there so from that side of it he, he would be all right I think it's just a case of taking it easy, getting in slowly and, you know, come Saturday being on decent pace, I think.
2: Yeah, I think, I think in terms of where, I don't think kind of he'll, he'll be too far off his best, um, you know, I think he'll be able to get back up speed and he did get um, the running at Bahrain. So, yeah, but I do, I've kind of got question marks as where Seb's best is now. I think kind of he, he looked happier, more comfortable at Aston Martin last year, but he, I don't think he kind of had regained the pace that he showed at his peak at Ferrari and Red Bull. And whether, I, you know, I kind of at his stage of the career, I don't know whether that's something that can be regained. So I think that's kind of my bigger worries, not necessarily how kind of COVID has affected him so much. It's just how long the passage of time has affected him.
0: Do you think, Adam, that this will be Vettel's last season
1: in F well, yeah, one? No, I, conversations leaked. <laughs> I, I, I
2: Sorry. think he'll, I think he'll stick around. Um, but I think I don't think it's crazy to be having that conversation. Um, mm. And yeah, I can, I can see it being one of his last ones. Whether it's kind of one of three, one of two, um, I don't know. But yeah, that's kind of my thoughts.
1: Yeah, I, kind of, I get that as well. Um, only a driver of the sort of stature and proven pace of Sebastian Vettel can have seasons like he's had in 2020 specifically, um, where he, and he's shown decent signs in 2021. Um, hopefully he can do that in 2022, because his 2021 season, he was a deserving F1 driver in 2020. He wasn't. Simple as, really. And hopefully 2022 he can be performing well. I think you're going to find a driver who's going to want to be on F1, um, want to be on the F1 grid. I think Seb's going to be the one. He is the guy who um, would be able to, if you were to go to the paddock and, you know, we have nerdy conversations about, I don't know, the 1989 French Grand Prix or something ridiculous, um, which was, I, I mean, I know about that race. That's a very good race, actually. But anyway, um you go to sort of 19 out of 20 drivers, they probably won't be able to have an eyelid about that. Whereas you could probably count, be fairly sure that you'd be able to chat to Sebastian Vettel about it. So he's such a fan of the sport. And I think, you know, I think that's why he's so loved because he is just such a, he's sort of you know, one of us, if you will. Not that they're not, the rest aren't, but um, yeah. And I think he will try hard to stay on the F1 grid and to improve his pace and, you know, we'll have to wait and see. You haven't I seen think him turn he, a wheel in anger in 2022. So, you know, yeah, you've, got to, that, you've got to give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt for at least a few races. I, th- I think
2: he, he... I can't see him kind of minding being at the back of the pack that much. I think he just likes F1, likes being in F1. And if Aston Martin are as not competitive as they've shown so far, then I, I don't think that will kind of phase him, really. Nigel?
0: I, th- I think <clears throat> it's hard to see him getting back towards... Mm. How he was at his best years at Ferrari and he definitely read bull I, I do fear he's gonna be a bit like Riker and just yes. it's quite clear that he's far off his best and he yeah. might stick around for a year or two too long. That is my one worry because you know he might have a couple of great moments this year, but I don't see that consistently being there. Uh so that is my worry with Bettle and if he is at the back then it could be a pretty quiet season for him. And do we think it's not performance?
1: Do you think the performance issues are because he's at the back? Like you saw the sort of drop in 2020 because that car just was nothing, and Ferrari basically pushed him aside, and then it looked like he just dropped. And then yeah. he comes in in 2021, and he has two races where he's you know noticeably very good, which is Baku and Hungary, and those are races where he's you know actually in a decent. Position on in the field, um, yeah. and you know, uh, RAC also did well in with spa qualifying, probably could have done well there as well because there's a, a time to shine. So, do we think being at the back is then what's a, a, psycholo- a psychological block, say, for a, an instinct?
0: I think there's something about his driving style where it, it doesn't work as a midfield driver, and I think Leclerc to some extent has got this problem as well. I think there's some drivers who are better at the front, whether it's because he struggle to follow follow a car or the driving style doesn't work when they're in close combat and stuff like that. And I think Vettel is, is one of those drivers. I, I don't think he can show his best when he's got cars around him and stuff like that. I think he needs that clean air and he needs, uh, you know, that kind of support from the team as well, that motivation to win and get podiums. So, yeah, I would agree with that statement bit
2: better I think I think it's kind of maybe a bit underrated how good he was at wheel to wheel in the early part of his career it was kind of oh, yeah in vogue especially kind of you know towards the end of his four championships with Red Bull it was kind of ah oh, well you know he just goes goes on pole and wins but I think that was because he was so fast and so good at qualifying and even in the races where he wasn't in that position, then he'd still do well, but they just made up a minority of the season for him because he was that good. So I think that kind of is maybe, um, I don't know, over overspun, overspun as a narrative, but um, I think you could kind of see the signs of this from 2019. I think when Leclerc came in and was kind of on his pace pretty quickly and he finished fifth in the Drivers' Championship, and I think that... I, I think that was kind of the beginning of that, but it has accelerated as the teams that he's been in have dropped back into the midfield. So, yeah, that's kind of where and then, and maybe I am because, it, on it.
0: Maybe because he was at the front for so long for Red Bull, he had very few years when he was in the midfield, apart from the Troy Russell year, now he is in the midfield, so he's having to get used to that, like a, like a new driver would. Mm. Maybe that's a factor as I well. Feel like
1: that's a, I feel like that's a bit too much. I think if you're an F1 yeah. driver, you can drive fast in an F1 car, uh, whether you're in the midfield or not. Like, I, I find that a hard... It's a mentality, a hard, though. It's different, find, isn't it? I find it a hard... I, it is a mentality, but I don't think it's anything to do with driving style. I think... Yeah. I think maybe the mentality of oh, I'm not fighting for the win just means that you're not going to push for two or three extra attempts. And I think I think that's really quite understandable. And if you're a driver who's the third on the all-time list for wins um, and podiums and all of that, then I don't know, seventh isn't that great. <laughs> so I can completely understand if it if your head's dropped in your motivations a bit less, because you know, that's fair enough.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think. I don't think you can. You'd see, um, t, you know, a title fight is is the crucible, and that's where that's where the it's the most intense and the most white hot, and that's kind of where the most motivation comes from. But I don't, I don't think that's kind of a particular a particularly Seb thing compared to the other yeah. drivers he's racing against. Really, I think the other the only other thing for me on Seb is like you can see when there's been wet races or sessions over the last few years, he's generally done well. Um, so it's I think, and that's right. kind of. Yeah, you know, he, he, I think that's, you know, that can be one of the best markers of where a driver's at in terms of, you know, kind of whether they've still got that natural ability. And I think he's still, he's still got that kind of deep down, but it just seems to be like you say, when you add everything else into that and kind of, you know, he does best, he seems to have done best over the last few years when you stripped everything back, as opposed to, you know, when it's kind of been the full package and, that's just kind of the, the worry from me. But he, he's still got good results in him because when there's a wet race, he's competitive.
1: It's really interesting to compare Vettel to an Alonso because when, when Alonso has sort of been in one of these, in a backmarket car, or a of front-running car, as he has been for the past sort of eight years of his career, nine years, you could say, um, he's still got that battling samurai about him that he's still wringing the neck of a car. It seems like that's the only way you can drive. Whereas with Vettel, I mean, there's always been the very thoughtful driver. But um, so it's kind of interesting to sort of see if, if that approach is, is different and goes back to what you were saying, Nigel, about midfield um, prowess being a bit more kind of, you've got to have sort of be sort of a battling driver in the fierce midfield. And you can see there's a bit more approach for, a, for a, an intellectual driver higher up the field and maybe maybe there's more just the case you've got if you're going to be an intellectual driver you've got to be sort of ferocious as well but then that means that some drivers aren't ferocious but they all are and it all becomes a bit muddled and we all but yes what do you think on that what i've just said well i think I it was deluded. i think <laughs> in the
0: midfield raw speed is not as important and i think and alonso doesn't have that one lap pace so i think that is you know, it's, it's, it's better to have better race management, tyre management, just that ability to kind of attack and go for it. And I think that's where someone like Alonso has really thrived in the last seven, eight, nine years. And Vettel doesn't quite have that quality, I don't think. So I think that is where, where, where he's been let down, I think. So the, if, if, you just, if you just look at his best races last year, Hungary and Bakken, he was already towards... Up there, uh, and he didn't have to exactly battle his way through. He, he was already in like the top ten kind
1: of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that is just his style, and Monaco actually, for that matter. Yeah, Monaco um, as well. Yeah, I, I yeah, think it's important enough. for F1 drivers to be fast. It is. See, I don't that extra discuss. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I, I completely see what you're saying. I think it's uh, yeah, like like you say. Kind of, or like Vettel, you said, the comparison to Alonso is interesting. And um, I don't know. I think, do we all seem to be on the same page? I think we all are. I think
1: it's fascinating to explore it. The drivers can perform so well, but then also not. But (sighs) what? And you kind of look at it and I think Vettel, yeah, was... I don't want to say was phenomenal, phenomenal because I think he still is phenomenal. It's just the phenomenon is phenomenal less So... It's it's a bit interesting. You, know, you can't take away the fact that he was for a time the best driver in Formula One. You can't take that away from him. But then it's kind of like these things go in in cycles. Steps. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, you know, that's I think it's I think it comes back to what you said at the start, really, Adam, passage of time.
2: Do you want to play guess how many Grand Prix Vettels race in?
1: Closest wins Let's play that
0: 10 second, ten, ten, ten second game uh, I'm going to guess yeah. uh, 284 No,
1: 264
2: Two hundred ninety. Nig- um, Maths, Nigel's closer What was but it? But Freddie would have been If he hadn't changed It's 279 oh. And then 280 oh. entries Because Because he entered he The ventured. Bahrain Grand Prix
1: 2016 yeah, Yes um, There we go Fun, fun, fun
0: Another driver who almost fits into that category of doing well but not doing well is Daniel Ricciardo. It's his home race. His first home race for three years now. Uh, he actually had a pretty good weekend in Saudi Arabia despite his retirement. A uh, bit off the pace in Bahrain. I think it's too early to judge him after two races. And what his immediate
1: COVID recovery.
0: Yeah, that as well. What, what yeah. are we expecting from him this weekend on home soil?
1: Hopefully more of the Saudi performance because he was very good there and he was, you know, did the job. And that McLaren looked like it was in good positions because of Norris and Ricardo, And then Ricardo unfortunately broke down. So hopefully more of the same in Australia. Um, I think there was a few times in in Australia, I think it was 2017 and 2019 particularly, where he didn't have the best performances and it did seem Mm -hmm. to kind of look that the home race pressure got to him a bit. Which is um, something that was never really spoken about until then, but really makes a lot of sense. Um, and I don't know whether, because there's such a buzz around the Australian Grand Prix returning and um, with it sort of what it sort of symbolizes from a COVID perspective, because for me, globally, really, for, from a Western perspective, at least for, for me, the Australian Grand Prix cancellation was the start of sort of, oh, we have to take this seriously, COVID, rather than, oh, COVID's a thing, if that makes sense. Um, so it's sort of the symbolic nature of this is the neck we're out the the other side and I don't know whether that's going to then play on everything with this Grand Prix and that just gives a bit of a weight for me on Daniel Ricciardo because this Grand Prix for Australia is so big Um, but he has the pace this year I think on that McLaren's
2: position will actually help him I think because he's not he's not coming in where he's been with Red Bull over or, you know, kind of when he was in a race winning position with Red Bull, but also kind of with Renault where, you know, it was the start of the season. They were kind of hoping to be battling in the top five and around the podium. I think with with where McLaren are, then I think there'll be there'll be less of that. People want him to do well, but doing well is finishing in the points really or finishing in the top eight or, you know, it's kind of that. Kind of level of expectation has dropped. He's never had a podium in Australia thanks to his disqualification in 2014. So,
1: yeah, no Australian driver has, I think. No, yeah.
0: good fat lap. And I think the high speed uh, or the new layout of this high, now high, high speed Albert Park circuit is going to help McLaren because it's the slow yes. corners where they are absolutely atrocious, quite frankly. And uh, they're going to have yeah. to make the most of it this weekend with this high speed circuit. So, there is a chance for Ricardo to get points. I think he can score. In fact, I'll say, I think he will score his first points of oh. the season this so
2: weekend. Well, you he's going to but... go for podium then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, thought, I was like, have you gone mad? Um, <laughs> I think there's a good yeah. chance for points. I agree. I mean, we, I, when you had Landon Norris legitimately fighting an Alpine last time out, Alpine who have convincingly, really, in, in Saudi and... Um, Uh, In Saudi, definitely best of the rest. um, Arguably, as as a team behind Ferrari and um, Red Bull, um, at least in qualifying pace, you kind of think that's pretty good looking for McLaren, considering every uh, where they were in Bahrain. So, I'd say, yeah, they'll definitely be in the fight for points. I think I just I wanted to go well for for Danny Rick. I think he's had a hard time of it. Well, yeah, I don't think, I know he's had a hard time of it. We all know he's had a hard time of it. Um, and if anywhere, for him to have a good result, it's um, the return of his home track. No. Yeah, I think, actually,
2: on uh, as a side note, I think Alpine, another team we want, discussion, seeing as where they've gone from, testing to the track, but we're not going to have time for that this time because we've waffled so much on Vettel. We have waffled Vegas, that but, lot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I... I think kind of. I think the the ingredients are there for it to be a good weekend for Ricardo. But at the same time, I'm still not ready to let go of how poor he was last season and kind of just completely count that off. So I think this is going to be a bit. This is kind of going to say which was the exception and which was the rule of the first two um, first two races of the season. So yeah, it's kind of. I think it's TBC where I stand on him. Really,
1: I think yeah. I think that the. the the fact that i don't stand on the, him the day physically. basically the day before basically the day before the season he was still he still had covid i think for me that kind of lends itself to hopefully saudi being um, the rule and bahrain being the exception um, in that so because he didn't have any time in the car in bahrain until practice one everyone else had such a good position there um, just personally for driving the car at least apart from nico hulkenberg Um, And then the car wasn't very good. So that's just on top of um, COVID soporificness, which is a thing. I don't really know anyone who's been positive with COVID who then, when they've been negative, has been as sprightly as the day is young. But um, I don't know if that's a phrase. I made it up on the spot. (laughs) Um, But I think, yes, I think he had definitely had a right to not to be good in Bahrain because of where he was. And I think he'll definitely be performing better here, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And Ricardo is going to be in that super-competitive mid- midfield battle, which is going to be separated by, what, three or four tenths, perhaps, um, which will be the difference between getting into Q- Q3 Q and getting knocked out in Q1, quite frankly. So, whether he can be on the right side of that tenth, we'll find out But who is going to be... Team to beat this weekend is it going to be Ferrari? Is it going to be Red Bull? Is it going to be Leclerc? Is it going to be Verstappen? What are your thoughts, Adam
2: Mercedes? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> wow, that uh, new floor is great! Yeah, um, no, I think I think it'll be pretty close. I may, uh, uh, would I, I don't know, yeah, maybe edge toward Red Bull a bit. Um, but I kind of expect it to be quite close, and to be honest, I think. Whoever wins is going to come more down to planning and whether the team and driver can execute the right strategy and the right moves when required. I think it's going to be close enough that that will be the deciding factor rather than the underlying pace of the car.
1: Yeah. I think my, my, my only kind of thought on it is Ferrari because I think there's a slight underlying porpoising difference. I think it affects Fer- uh, Rebel more than Ferrari over on the bumps. Um, in in Bahrain, Ferrari were very, very good in that, but then in Saudi, Rebel were very good at the top speed, so I don't know. With four DRS zones, that could bring Rebel back into it, um, because they're good at the the high end, but whether the straight's long enough for them to make those gains back on Ferrari, we don't know. Um, Because there's only the one straight in Bahrain, really, where Verstappen can make those gains, and that was into the first one, uh, the main straight. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, as Adam says, it's going to come down to uh, the execution rather than um, coming down to one car being faster than the other.
0: Yeah, and we've got four DRS zones for the first time ever this weekend as well with the new layout. Are you a fan of this, Adam?
2: Um, I think there's so there's two DRS detection zones, which is the key point, which I didn't realise when I first heard about that. But yeah, so it's you get for the first two, then whoever's behind leading into the first two gets it for both. It doesn't matter if they make the overtake. So I think that's good. I think that all kind of, you know, we've seen we've seen a lot of cat and mousery with um Leclerc and Verstappen in terms of trying to um, you know, be ahead, be ahead or behind going into the last DRS zone. But I think they're kind of pretty evenly spaced out and um all the two sets of zones are kind of pretty evenly spread out. And I don't think, yeah, I I think we might see less of that, but I don't. I don't know. It, it. Yeah. I. I don't mind it. Um, I think it will be interesting, and hopefully, should lead to lots of on track action.
1: I think it's. It's. A, um. Albert Park's an annoying one. This position in the season, <clears> I should say, after Saudi Arabia is an annoying one to judge for DRS zones, in my opinion, because I think we have just come from a race where um, DRS was the straights for DRS are so long that they kind of warrant then a pass. Um, but then there's immediately a long DRS zone after that. Whereas in this, we've got really short, sharp, bite-sized DRS zones. Um, and as Adam says, two detection points, then I think people are looking at it going, oh no, it's just going to be cars driving past each other. I think they've forgotten every other race at Albert Park in history where no one could race. So um, I think we look at it from that perspective and think, the, the, they brought the third DRS zone in in 2018, and that did help cars just be able to be that little bit closer at the end of the lap. So, if this can put it so that with the um, the nine ten Clark chicane now being nine and ten sort of Clark straight swoop, if you will, of what it is now, if that can mean that we've essentially got two zones of racing in the track, that can only be a good thing, in my opinion. Um, I think there's been a lot of. I think it's just. I think i um, understandably so. It's come under the prism of um, a bit of DRS, um, hate, hate, but also just oddness of the way it was used in yes, prism in um, in Saudi. I think it's just because that was such a, we- a unique DRS event that it makes this one worthy of more headlines, in my opinion. It'd be great for qualifying yeah. though. We're going some fast laps around this track. They've cut out a oh, whole yeah. chicane and. It's- the cars are just faster in general than they were in 2019. So that's going to be... I think we're going to see some sort of... Real, I'm trying to think, uh, figure... I think we're going to get to like the one sort of... 13s. I don't know. I can't remember what pole time was in 2019. Get back to me.
0: Yeah, I think the average speed is going to be incredibly high. I mean, especially with the ground effect as well of this, this year's cars. Through the high-speed corners, they're going to be absolute, absolutely rapid. So... You know, if we get two cars going side by side into the new uh, turn, I think nine and ten, the little fast left-right. If we get two cars side by side going instead, you know, hold your breath. Mm. Eleven,
1: twelve. Out.
0: Yeah, that as well.
1: So one twenty. <laughs>
2: that's one of my uh, favorite places to watch
1: an F1 car, just in general. No, that was the pole time.
2: One twenty yeah. yeah.
1: point oh, four. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I mean, if we, I think we could well be getting a pole time sort of one fourteen, maybe one thirteen, that kind of thing. Probably quicker, because the, when I guess poll times, who knows what happens. Um, but Well, I got I got the one there, There's quite a limited though. range of things. You can, I think, there's like two options, really. <laughs> you can get right it right or
2: wrong. or wrong. It's not like, it's not like got, there's an earthquake.
1: I got Bahrain right. There's a thing me and my dad do sometimes. We'll text each other before the start of qualifying going, oh, what do you think the poll time will be? And we'll both normally be way off. But I got Bahrain this year right, which is ridiculous, because it was the newest set of the most open qualifying session of all time but I'm just excited for this race.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited too. Uh, shall we make some predictions since we always remember what we said?
1: Uh, no,
2: let's not. Nigel, that. why don't we do predictions and then just make <laughs> Freddy's up for him?
1: Uh, so I, I, think gonna, I think I'm it's okay going to be a that.
0: Ferrari one too. I think the Clare then decides. I think Ferrari are going to have a slightly better car this weekend. I think, a bit like Freddie said, I think they're a bit more... They've got a the car a bit more dialed in. And I think on a new layout like this, that'll be the key factor. Uh, it, so, yeah, it's fine. If they've
2: got a slightly better car, do you think that'll be enough of a difference to make up for Verstappen versus Sainz? And the fact that, you know, they should be well, able to beat one of them at least.
0: Yeah, on pure pace, yeah, but I'm still not convinced by the Red Bull engine problem, or the Honda slash Red Bull engine problem. That's a good point, yeah. That, that, that's something that could still be exposed this weekend. And, and now, Peter and uh, Renault as well, because lot of Alonso's using this third engine already this yes. weekend, which is quite unbelievable. But, yeah, we've seen with the Alpha, with the Alpha, Tauri, Tsunoda and Gasly, they've had issues already, so I'm still not 100% set with the Red Bull power unit yet, whereas, uh Ferrari, I'm quite confident confident that their cars can stay intact.
2: Mm. I, ironically, Alonso's on his GP3 engine right now, so yeah. <laughs> Buns. Um, uh yeah, I <laughs> I don't know what uh, a stupid joke thing. Oh, it's it's not going to be a one-two. I don't think it is. I don't think there's no one's unless, say second a, <laughs> unless.
1: Oh, bar reliability oh, although,
2: re- although reliability is predictable so that's kind of swung me ah, yeah actually i'm you've, you've you've convinced me nigel i think it's going to be a one two but science is going to be in first because i have to go different to you that's the rules so
0: do you want to say anything Freddie, to round out your
2: bit of the no. podcast the clever second science <laughs> That's probably the minutes. one that's going to happen. Where's Tenoza going to finish? And is he going to finish? Uh,
1: yes, and 10th. Yes, and
0: 14th. Mm. Ooh, cars. Make a note of that, Adam. Make, make,
2: make sure. <laughs> I, I'm noting it. The, the other sure. thing that I had noted down sure to he mention... 10th,
0: Adam. <laughs>
2: the, <laughs> the other thing I had noted down, speaking of which, is Albon has a three-place grid penalty for this weekend after his position. Oh, Stroll. Uh, such, we all disagree with, such with it. Silly penalty.
0: Such a silly penalty. I forgot to talk about it in the last podcast. It's a good thing I stayed away from it because it was such a silly one. It's one of the silliest penalties I've seen for a long time in that same Oh, so, yeah. If well, anyone should have from got penalties,
1: the biggest stalled. Alex album fan you've ever met.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people haven't met him. <laughs> I mean, I, I've not met Nigel that many times because of COVID, but, you know. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and
1: anyway. No one- I know of it. Yeah. This uh, is our podcast, Adam. Nigel's just a guest.
0: Yeah, I am a very just common guest. to be hosting it today. Yeah. Progressive podcast in that way. Our post race podcast uh, on but Sunday or Monday when we, when we do it. Uh, we're going to talk about the race as usual uh, and stuff like that because that's what we do. Thank you for watching if you're on YouTube thank you for listening if you're on Spotify iTunes or that other one that I forgot which lots of people they are cast listening to Deezer from.
1: Stitcher Amazon Music there's a lot of Apple them, Podcasts iTunes. not iTunes yeah iTunes hasn't been a thing for what? about four or five years now
0: whatever <laughs> uh, I don't I don't do iPhone iStuff
1: uh, I've got an iStuff I I just... iStuff yeah. <laughs>
2: that's why iStuff's that's why I I the I just really basic one <laughs>
1: uh, yeah Good job, man. An optometrist. We'll see you right. next time. <laughs>
0: Goodbye. <laughs>
1: Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.